right, welcome back to the From Field to Plate podcast. My name is Jeremiah Dowdy, and today I am sitting down with uh, Fred Bird from NWTF, and we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, yes, we're going to talk about turkey probably because, duh, uh, behind me, behind him, there's there's feathers and there's uh, you know a bronze statue behind him. But um, <laughs> so if you're watching this, you can look at it. If not, you can listen to it. Um, but we're here to talk about uh, Conservation Week. What is Conservation Week? why NWTF is, is pushing this out. Um, and th- this is the second week of conservation week. And so, uh, I'll kind of let you introduce yourself, Fred, and then you can kind of talk about what conservation week is with NWTF and why we're doing it. And then from there, we'll dive into things that we're doing, things that people can get involved in their States, um, and kind of go from there. So shoot. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. And, uh, um, it's, uh, we appreciate your support and, and what you do for for the federation and, and the limelight you shed on it and, and the storytelling you do from your end so it's outstanding uh yeah we are in conservation week 2022 for national Wild turkey federation um it's a it's a celebration it's it's um you know people we were talking earlier uh, off air here but you know it's I don't, I, I don't necessarily turkey hunt or i'm not really into hunting well that's great because it's for everybody that 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 conservation week is is going out and and doing a, a 6k uh, trail run or walking along um, your street in your neighborhood to the bus stop with the kids and picking up mylar balloons that have crash landed in your neighborhood. Um, so it's not necessarily about you pulling a trigger. Um, it's about being out in wild spaces and, and celebrating that here at home. You know, we're celebrating successes at the Federation, new partnerships. Uh, we're celebrating our volunteers, the people that at the grassroots level makes all of this work. Um, for my part, what I do for the Federation, uh, I host our podcast, Turkey Call All Access Podcast. I'm our social media manager, and uh, in my spare time, I manage our e-commerce as well. So, you got a lot of uh, a lot of hats in the in the realm. Yes, sir. Perfect. Well, for so I, I hear a cricket. Can you hear that cricket? No, oh, you can't hear the cricket on. When I, I can talk. hear it. I don't know where it is. It just started. So if you're listening to this, there's a cricket. Hold on, I'm going to try to. I don't know where this thing is and shut it up real quick because it's celebrating conservation it's celebrating week. it's like hey i'm alive i'm like find my sticky trap so uh <laughs> fred's gonna keep talking a little bit more about conservation week i'm gonna go try to find this cricket it should take me like two seconds because i i hear where it's at so go for it sure so i mean if you're hearing this uh you're hearing uh, jeremiah's podcast our podcast you know what you can do is, is very simply um go outside and then tell your story uh, that's the biggest part of this is, is leading by example, uh, leading uh, in your in your community, in your locale that, you know, it's it's a it's a great thing to be in the outdoors to put the screens down and and disconnect, you know, take your shoes off and put naked flesh on on dirt. I just and, and get that I just came back to naked flesh. So I don't know yes, what he time. said, but as I put my headphones on, it's like naked flesh. So <laughs> yeah. uh, if I need to go back and edit this, I will, because I mean, he's a good looking man. But if we need to see <laughs> naked flesh, we will. Um but yeah, I think now that I mean, if the cricket starts back up, just deal with it. This it's conservation it's week. We'll let him. We'll let him cricket. I don't. I've never had a cricket in this studio, and now it's like I hear him. Um, but NWTF is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's near and dear to a lot of people's heart. And I was talking to a guy. I was telling you off air where they don't turkey hunt, and I had posted this conservation week, and he's like, "Oh, what is this all about?" And I'm like, "Hey, man, it's just about getting out, doing things, and you know, looking at the aspect of." wildlife and nature and habitat and how we can kind of bring that all together. So him and his kids went and they kayaked 
just down a local you know river and they picked up trash. And he's like, oh, it was so much fun. And I think that's kind of where we're going with this is that it's just about celebration. And I know for NWTF, this year is a big year for them uh, because, you know, rebranded completely last year. Sure. Yep. Um, with logos and designs and this whole aspect of it. And I know a lot of old school turkey hunters were really upset with they didn't have their three long beards strutting back, you know, sure. across the back of their truck. But for me, I was excited about it because it was a growth and it was a change. It was, it's, it's not the NWTF of our grandpas and of, of our dads. It's the NWTF of our kids and the future. And sure. I think that's a, that's a huge thing with this aspect of conservation. And, you know, last Sunday we were out at the river and we went out to the dove fields because we had hunted dove dove season just ended here in California on the 15th. So we went out on the 16th and we filled five gallon buckets full of shells and beer cans yeah. and, it was insane as my daughters are like, why didn't people pick up their trash? And it was a, it was a talking point for me to be able to tell my kids like, well, this is why daddy has two magnets that we pass around. This is why we're able to hunt private property for mm -hmm. dove. And a lot of people aren't because of this trash. And I'm good friends with uh, a lot of the fish and game guys, the DNR guys down here. And he said that this year they were driving around and they were giving <clears throat> out so many tickets to people that were just, you know, plucking their birds and just shells everywhere. And, it's, mm. it's saddening because those are when, when anti-hunters, I don't, I don't say non-hunters because non-hunters just understand it, but anti-hunters, the people who actually hate what we do, mm -hmm. they don't realize that we love nature so much yeah, because, right. of, because of those certain few people. They're like, okay, well, we go hiking down the field and we see a shotgun shell or we see brass or we see trash, you know? And I think that's kind of where you guys are gearing this to. Am I correct? Oh, it's, it's, it's all encompassing. It's, it's, you can go out and pick up trash. You can plant a tree. It's, you know, and I started saying when you were you know, cricket hunting there, you know, we are locally celebrating some pretty huge wins uh, with partnerships, with uh, match funds being allocated for forest management. Um, so it, it, it's multi-leveled and it's, it's really what the individual makes of it. If you're doing anything, if you're making an effort and going outside, and that's where the naked flesh came in, <laughs> reconnecting with the ground. Uh, you're participating. And, and part of that, and a big part of that participation is the storytelling and being able to share with your ecosystem, the people that follow you on your, your Instagram, whether you got 300 people or you got 300,000 people, you know, saying that you went out and purposely participated uh, in this week to highlight it, but you know, maybe that, that leads to more. You're doing it once a week, twice a week. You're using the, the communal hashtags to storytelling and connect in these various communities that you may not be friends or followers of, but all of a sudden, through those hashtags, you're discovering other people and like-minded people from New Hampshire to California and parts in between. And uh, knowing that there's more of us out there than we realize now. So we can look at hunter numbers, right? Because as we were talking about, and you can know that there's less than 7% participation nationwide. Um, but there's a hell of a lot more people that are participating in, in, in the outdoors, outdoor recreating. So camping, hiking, uh, whatever it is that, that lights your fire. You're part of this community, whether you're pulling a trigger or not. And that's a big, that's the big tell here. Yeah. We have, uh, out by us out in here in Southern California, you know, the hunting Mecca of the world. Um, not really. It's the most, you know, hated, I'm hated for what I do, but where, where we I love can, you, where I can hunt deer, where I can hunt Turkey. It's a very, very popular area for day hikers, backpackers. Um, because you know, we're all beach and then we have a mountain line 
And so yeah. that, that mountain range that we're hunting all of the stuff and it's very impacted by day use, you know, kind of those, we call them the, the weekend warriors. They got the people that yep. are just out there on the weekends, not putting in the time. And it was funny because we, we had shot a deer in our local mountains, me and a buddy, and we were packing it out and we get back to the car and this lady starts screaming at us because, you know, well, you guys are destroying the ecosystem. You guys are filling the blank, right? And we pulled the deer meat out of my backpack and then I started pulling out cans and bottles and mylar balloons because I don't know. I, I've never not hunted and not found a mylar balloon. in the yeah. mid, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and all of a sudden I'm like, what is that shiny? Oh, look, it's a it's a happy birthday balloon. Yeah. Um, and this lady's like, well, what's all that? And I'm like, oh, this is all trash we picked up on our two-mile hike in and our two-mile hike out. She goes, wait, you picked up trash? And I go, well, yeah, it's absolutely disgusting when you're walking through and this and that. And then we had this whole long conversation with this lady who came at us with a very negative mindset because mm. we had shot a deer. And then she's like, well, oh, thank you. Cause I, you know, I walk that trail every single day and I see the trash and I never thought about picking it up. I'm just disgusted by others. And you guys took the time to clean it up and hunt it. And from then on out, it, we have this relationship with, with each other. And I've seen her yeah. a couple of times when I've been out there deer hunting and you know, she sees my truck and she'll leave a little, little note. Hopefully you get something and thanks for picking up trash. And yeah. it's, it's this mindset of changing this perspective on who we are. Um, even so much. So we have this, this dove field that we hunt now. And two years ago we were driving by and it was cut wheat, like 150 acres of cut wheat. And there was millions of dove. And I'm like, dude, I really wish I could hunt that property. So I get on hmm. Onyx. I'm looking, I'm like, okay, cool. This is the landowner. I find the, find the farmer. I knock on the door. It's his old timer. And he's like, nope, can't hunt my property. Hunters are disgusting. Hunters are dirty. They leave their trash. They this. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. I just came on to shake your hand, say thank you for taking the time. So me and a buddy, we drove by and we looked on the edge of his property where the road meets his property. And it was just, there was tires, there was trash, there was. And so I went to this, we went to the store. We got a bunch of big trash bags. We started just filling trash bags and loading the back of our, our trucks. And this dude comes by on his, you know, on his John Deere. He's like, what, what are you guys doing? We're like, well, you were right this is disgusting. And he's like, well, I said, you guys can't hunt it. We're like, Oh, we understand it, but we drove away from your property and it's disgusting. And <laughs> he just, he just kind of sat there. He's like, but it's 116 degrees outside. Like, why are you guys picking up my, my property? I'm like, well, cause we have to drive by this and we're as disgusted as you are. And we, we feel bad that there's shotgun shells and that there's this and there's that. Mm. And he's like, well, and I go, well, Hey, here's my business card. If you, if you ever need more help picking up trash, we're out here these days. I get a call that night and he goes, Hey, how many people you have hunting in your party? I was like, Oh, we got about 20 guys. We got about 16 new hunters and four guys who are going to help him. He's like, all right, come by my house. I've got permission slips for you guys. And I was like, no, right. that's not why we picked up your property. We right, picked right. it up Cause we were trying to, and he goes, Nope. Like right there showed me and changed it. And he's not a hunter opening morning. He comes and sits down in a, in a lawn chair, some 80 year old dude. And just, just having the time of his life watching these young kids shoot dove. And so last year we went and hunted the property and this year he actually called me. He's like, Hey, y'all going to come hunt our property. I'm going to go throw signs up. So nobody comes over there. And you know, but my, Hey, my grandson wants to learn how to hunt, bring him over. So his grandson, and just by taking a second to pick up something that wasn't ours. Um, and it really impacted this dude and, and this guy's and his, his grandson was 12 years old, went out there and shot, you know, seven dove this year and had the time of his life all because we took that five seconds in mm -hmm. 116 degree weather to throw tires in the back of our truck, you know? We've, uh, 
I often say it because of my virtue of the work that I do for NWTF, you know, we've never been more disconnected in a connected world. I think you know what I'm saying by that. Yeah. And, and you go back probably to, I don't know, uh, 30, 40 years ago when seemingly the communities are much smaller and you, you knew your neighbors and you would do that stuff or the people, a generation, my grandparents' generation, your grandparents' generation would just do this stuff automatically because it was the right thing to do. And you, you had these conversations and there wasn't all this ballyhoo and all this negative press about stuff. It was just, it was just a matter of fact. And your standard 80% knew that there was people that went out there and did this, but it was, it was socially acceptable because there wasn't all this uh, stuff built around it. There wasn't all these political, um, politically charged conversations and motivations behind it. Right. So now, you know, it's, it's this really virtuous effort to do something like that. You didn't do it because you wanted to gain hunting you did it because it was the right thing to do more people were able to have that mindset without you know i'm not doing it it's not a print quote whoa i'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do because i i you said i drive by here every day and i'm i puke in my mouth because i see this garbage likewise here i i'm like you with the damn balloons i walk through a piece of property me and the regional director here in new england carter heath a dear friend of mine we got this this competition with the mylar balloons we figure every 10 balloons you pick up you're gonna find a shed so and we always fill our pockets i, I don't understand the balloon thing but um you know you, you, i guess the overarching thing is leave it better than you found it and taking care of those landowners and you know this week highlights that but it, you don't have to just do it this week you can do it every week and, and highly encourage uh, to do that. I mean, just these places are beautiful. Let's keep them beautiful, whether you can hunt them or not. And so much of, of the country, uh, it's, 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 you can't, I'm lucky where I live. And I, and I talk about this often, the colonial land sharing tradition that we have here in Northern New, New England, Western part of Massachusetts still, um, if it's not posted, you can play on it. That, that goes away real quick. And it's, and it's trending that way, unfortunately. Um, so it's, it's incumbent upon this community of hunters, especially here, to, to continue to be good stewards of the land and be good stewards of our community and, and just take that extra step, the extra five seconds to pick up some shells. It makes a huge difference. And it's not really about people seeing you do the act. It's just making it part of your daily, part of your action of going out there. It'll get seen. It's good deeds go, will be seen. You don't have to like, you know, make a post. Oh, look at me. Hashtag picked up trash. Yeah. That's, that's not what it's about. Yeah. No. And in, in California, we, Oh, Mr. Cricket's back. There so, he is. There He's he back. Is. Uh, so you're hearing it because he he wants to be part of the conversation. So, um, but here in California, we're the same way. Where when I was growing up, it was if it wasn't posted, it was playable, and we would turkey hunt, deer hunt, duck hunt, quail hunt, pheasant hunt, chucker hunt. We would drive in, we see turkey, we look at, we're like, oh, it's not posted. We go and we hunt turkey, and because of the actions of individuals, now everything's posted. And California yeah. now has you got to have a permit to go on someone's private property. And it's really this challenge now because you'll be out there. It's not posted. You'll go hunt it. And all of a sudden, you know, fish and game and cops come like, Oh, you're trespassing. Here's a trespassing fee. And, mm. and it's, it's sad because just like you're saying, we have so many people that are anti and against it, that it's just incredibly disgusting. You know, it, it can be hard to overcome, especially, especially in your state. And it's unfortunate because that state is so full of natural resource and natural beauty that, um, you know, it's, it's politicians. I'll say that. Right. Oh, I always, um, I tell people all the time, we have one of the most beautiful States in the union, yeah. the most desirable States in the union ran by complete morons yeah. um, from the redwoods to 
you know, the deserts, we have, we have more species of critters than any other state. Um, you know, even to Alaska, because you look at all the different diversity from reptiles, amphibians, fish, yeah. we're in the Pacific flyway. We get every single duck minus like the whistling ducks on, on, you know, on the East coast and some of the scooters and stuff that you'll get in the ocean. But right. we get all these animals and they flood in and they thrive in our community and we can't do anything about it, you know, because we get politicians, we get biologists who don't back it. Um, we get where they don't want to go in and manage our properties because, you know, I worked with a lot of the NWTF guys here in California and going in there and masticating trees in certain areas. So turkeys and deer have better habitat. Mm-hmm. Protesters are standing in line saying, you guys can't do this. They don't realize a year later when we, the areas we didn't go do this in, when the fires go sweeping through and they destroy hundreds of thousands of acres in a million homes could have been stopped by us going in there and masticating these trees, sure. clearing brush, which in turn is better for the habitat. That's right. It allows turkeys to go out in there and do what they want to do is scratch around. It allows deer to be more active. It allows quail to go in and find cover. It allows dove, you know, it's like, but their mindset is that we're in there just destroying a tree. Sure. And, and this is a perfect tee up for, you know, why, this week, we, you know, our, our two co-CEOs, uh, Jason Burkhalter and Kurt Dyroff, issued a challenge this week during Conservation Week to, to become a member. And it's not, you know, I see it a lot because of my job. You know, people, oh, they're asking for another 35 bucks. They just want the money. But, you know, so there, there's two pieces here. When your money comes in for your membership, if it facilitates some membership benefits, then that money gets put to the match on an average of five to one. So every dollar we re-receive is matched five to one on average and sometimes a whole lot more. Right. So there is that aspect. And then the other part of it, especially when you're talking to someone like yourself from California, you're a human being that counts (laughs) you, your individual membership means something. So when you get that total number, call it a quarter million people that are members of the NWTF, well, that quarter million of number that population put in front of policymakers at the state level, the county level, the national level, federal level, that means something. And those politicians and those policymakers, they look at numbers like that. So, you know, it's, it's not about selling a magazine or selling some merch. It's, it's really about the community and bolstering our numbers and, and saying in one very large, powerful voice, we're here, we count, and this is important to us. Um, take notice because that's exactly what's happening You know, in your state, in my state, you have this very small vocal minority that gets the ear of policymakers and then they tell them all this bad stuff and they wildlife management be damned. uh, It's just all aesthetics. And so what's a policymaker to do if they're not hearing our side, if they're not being presented our numbers, who are they going to listen to? Well, the, the raving lunatic saying they're out there torturing animals and letting animals run away with three feet and, and, you know. Who, who knows what crazy foolishness they're telling them, but it's, it's all very extreme and most of it is, is incorrect. We got to do a better job telling our story. Enter conservation. Yeah. And for me, uh, it's crazy because like we have one chapter in Southern California, really like San Diego chapter. Yep. And for the longest time, I wasn't paying into my NWTF fees because I assumed that my money was going directly to them and the way that they were running the program and the conservation and the biologists, 
like the way the biologists were doing stuff, I disagreed with. Um, as I watched our turkey numbers go from amazing to drop drastically because of what they were doing and how they were doing certain hunts and giveaways. And so it frustrated me a lot. And so I was like, screw it. Like, I'm not going to pay into these dues because I'm not paying into this chapter that's driving turkey numbers into the ground, you know, where we do these big events and only their kids would ever win these events. Or they would get drawn for all, you know, all opening week in the reservoirs where the turkeys are and no one else would get drawn. It's like, how does, how does that happen? Um, and being able, then all of a sudden joining and becoming more um, part of NWTF, such as, you know, I started hanging out with, with Pete Mueller, started mm-hmm. doing uh, a bunch of different hunts, started cooking, started doing all the magazines, the recipes, and really understood what conservation was and what NWTF st- stood for, that my money wasn't going towards that chapter. But all of a sudden I realized that I can complain about that chapter. And I could say that things were wrong and they went in and they investigated this chapter and found out that, yeah, they were doing a lot of mishandlings of stuff. And now the chapter's mm. phenomenal. There are turkey numbers are back up. They've cut certain programs. They've done a lot more for the youth. Um, and it's crazy. Once you realize that you, ha- that you do have a voice, like you said, I was upset. I'm like, screw it. I'm not gonna be a part of it. And also I realized that my voice was stronger than those 12 guys who were sitting on the board. Mm-hmm. And in turn, we're starting to see our, our turkey population increase again. I went out for deer season, and I saw, you know, a, a hen with like 13, 14 poult. And it was encouraging to me because I'm like, okay, 50% of those are going to be jakes. You know, like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> yeah. And when you start to realize that your actions and your, your decisions are impacting those cute little turkeys, it really kind of is empowering that, that my kid's going to be there next, you know? Yeah. So part of that, that challenge I, I started to mention was, you know, becoming a member, but then also being an active participant in your community, seeking out and finding a local chapter to be involved in. And if, and if you, you'll let me, I'll take a minute because I, before I worked for the headquarters, part of NWTF, I was a regional guy. I was the regional director uh, here in new England. So you know, understanding how the super fund works and the chapter system works, I, you know, I can kind of give a 40,000 foot view, but what's interesting, you know, unlike other conservation organizations, you know, NWTF used to ask a chapter in order to be a sanctioned chapter, you had to hold one national fundraising event a year. And it was an 80, 20 split that 80% of that money would go back to the national headquarters coffers. 20% would stay in your state. And then of that 20%, two and a half percent of the funds raised that night would stay with the local chapter. So the, every state has a super fund and then the state boards uh, meet as often as they do. And then they take whatever money they have and they allocate it to local projects. So it's pretty phenomenal to know that you can go have a banquet, a shoot, whatever your fundraising mechanism is, raise a boatload of money to, you know, it all depends on your audience and how motivated people are to get there. And that money does stay in that locale. And that's pretty awesome. Uh, and you can direct those funds to a piece of property that is open for, for hunting and you can maintain that or you can take that money and say, I want to give it to the state agency uh, to match with other and put it in a pool and get an even bigger bang for your buck so that multiple uh, NGOs can work with the agency and, and work on bigger parcels of land and, and keep these places open and, and hospitable for poult reeling, rearing for, for quail, for other non-game and, you know, stuff like that. So it's really powerful what you're able to do And the rest of the year. Uh, it's, it's up to the chapter, what they want to do. They can fundraise locally all they want. They can, they can have a gun raffle 
you know, every week they could, they could raffle off, you know, who knows your imagination is your limitation, but that that's how it used to be. It's no longer, um, you have to do the national fundraiser, do the standard banquet. Um, but there is still a fundraising mechanism. So that's how it was. Um, so it, it, I, I always take the opportunity to bunk some of the myths that's out there that, oh, it's a cash grab and all the money goes back. It's just not true. And uh, that information is all very um, public. And anytime you can reach out to a regional director, you can reach out to a regional biologist and you can ask these questions and say, hey, I'm a member. What's in our super fund? Who, when's the state board meeting? Can I go? You can attend these state board meetings. It's not super secret squirrel GS-14 classified yeah. stuff. Shake, you can show up. Special handshakes that get you in Yes, exactly right. <laughs> uh, no, and I think it's, it's encouraging because I've hunted every part of our state from southern to northern. And it's crazy to see that, you know, turkey hunters are turkey hunters no matter where you go. Yep. Um, you know, I did, the, I, I did my single season slam lot, or two years ago. In every state I hunted in, it was it was amazing that turkey hunters were passionate and turkey hunters were turkey hunters. And when you started talking about the aspects of turkey, um, just how all of us were the same. And I think that really pays true to this, this NWTF lifestyle of saying, we're here, this is what we stand for, this is what we are. You know, there's so many deer associations out there mm-hmm. that nobody stands on the same one, right? Sure. Uh, there's so many you know, even looking at public land hunters versus private land hunters and seeing these guys out there, there's such a big pull against us in a community. I don't see that in the NWTF. I don't see, yeah. oh, you're hunting private, you're hunting public. Well, I'm better than you for hunting this. Turkeys are turkeys. And I think it's really an, a, a testament to the NWTF and who they are and what they stand for from, from the beginning. You know, when, right. when they, in the 70s, they, re, they introduced a bunch of Rios to Southern California. And they actually introduced some Miriams also. So now we've got this really cool crossbreed of Miriam and, you know, Rio hybrid in Southern California. But they did that after a huge fire that wiped out like 90% of our turkeys. In the 70s and 80s, they brought all these turkeys in from Oklahoma, from uh, Oregon, from Washington. There would be no turkey where I hunt if it wasn't Mm -hmm. for an organization that said, hey, we want to bring these turkeys back here. And we want to make them thrive. And now it's beautiful that I could take my daughter out and shoot these birds that wouldn't have been here, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, if NWTF didn't step in and say, Hey, we're going to release some birds. We're going to make, you know, maintain it. And some of these biologists, they're like in their eighties and nineties and they're still Turkey, but they're still hiking out there sitting down and watching, watching birds on roosts. And it's amazing to sit down and talk to these guys about, Oh, in the seventies we released blank amount. And I, you know, there's this, I don't know if I have the, it's behind me somewhere, but on one of these, one of these tail feathers, it's piebald right in the dead center. It's got a oh, piebald. Yeah. Yeah. The biologist that I talked to remembers in 78 when they released turkeys, there was this one hen that had a piebald tail. Is that right? And so I've gone up there in the same area and I've shot in four or five jakes and toms with a piebald tail in that same exact area to think that's the same generation of bird you know is i think really really encouraging really cool to think about that there's this biology that's continuing for 40 years 50 years from that one hen that they released and you can see her offspring because again they're going to get a lot of their genetics from the female right 50 50 and so to see this piebald is going to come from a you know from that male or female and so to see that same feather 
in the same patterns to say, I mean, every bird is the same pattern on that, on that tail. It's, it's pretty cool to look at and think the about. Lineage. You know? Yeah. We awesome. just announced this morning, um, this, it would be Thursday of this recording, you know, our 13th, uh, wild turkey symposium. Uh, we just wrapped up Asheville in the beginning of this past summer and they were typically every five years, this one's going to get fast tracked because of COVID. Uh, so you're looking at uh, three years and that's going to be, I think in Kansas, no, in Missouri, excuse me. Um, what a phenomenal event to attend and learn from. And you talked about the biologists that have done there. There you're seeing, you know, you talked, you mentioned our, our brand evolution. You're seeing that same evolution in the research space. You know, you have your stalwarts that you were talking about, the 80-year-old guys and gals that get after it. And I can think of like Bob Erickson in New Jersey and uh, Ted Walski uh, here in New Hampshire. The one, he, he was the one and only turkey biologist for probably 40 or 50 years. And we just uh, have our second ever turkey biologist. Um, and, you know, I got to meet some of these folks covering uh, the symposium this past June. And, and they all remarked how wonderful it was to see a new generation and all kind of in the same 40 and under um, age bracket of biology professionals or research professionals picking it up and moving forward and remarking that the passion on that side of the house is there and the motivation to get out there and, you know, live in the back of your truck or your car to, to facilitate these projects, you know, backpack projects to study uh, nest phenology to, to, you know, track, uh, you know, dominant birds and things like that. It's just so much awesome stuff coming out of, the research part of our world. And, and again, you get back to the fundraising and the match monies and that's how these projects are funded. Most of the time it's, and it's such a huge part of it. Um, you know, you say, talk about your area being reintroduced and, and after being virtually wiped out, that was such a huge success story. It is the single biggest uh, wildlife success story of reintroduction of, a, of an animal in North America. And then sh shortly followed by the Rocky mountain elk. I mean, it's phenomenal to have turkeys all over the United States, the lower 48, in the provinces of Canada. Wait a second, give it time. It'll end up in Alaska if someone can figure it out. They're over in Hawaii and down in New Mexico uh, and in parts where they weren't indigenous to. That's pretty awesome, especially going back, you know, now 100 years. It was uh, damn near extrapolated from the entire landscape, all but for lower country, South Carolina and some of the Gulf states. It's a pretty remarkable turnaround. Yeah, no, I think that to me is is brilliant. And the more that I research and the more that I study, you know, we were in um, we were in Texas, we were hunting turkey, and there was a local biologist that we were talking to, and it was this area down in southern Texas near like Rock Springs, Del Rio, really kind of on that, those border towns. And what I was doing is I was saving all of the gizzard stones to yep. compare all these different birds. So I wanted to look at what, you know, um, a Florida bird, a Missouri bird, a, a Tennessee bird, a Kentucky bird, what, you know, what they were eating, how they were doing it. And we get to Texas, you know, and I'm filling up files at every, at every one of these States. We get to Texas. I open up the gizzard. There's like four rocks in every bird, but it's packed full of corn. And so I start talking to this biologist. I'm like, do you think that by them eating the corn, it's doing the same thing that the rocks are doing within the gizzard because we were finding little balls of corn that was broken down. It wasn't mm. rocks. It was, it was, it was corn. And he's like, I've never even thought about that. 
And so this whole past year, he started looking at the gizzards of birds in areas where they were feeding deer corn. And everywhere that there was deer corn being fed that the turkeys were eating on, they had little to no rocks in their gizzard. And so they started because the corn was so hard, the corn was acting as, so they weren't needing to eat rocks to produce. And it was, it was mind blowing to think about this process of just me cutting open a gizzard and looking at it with a biologist for him to even go, what? Uh, Huh? No, they should have it. And so he, he looks, we looked at some birds that were on ranches where they did zero feeding and these birds are full of rocks Mm-hmm. And even like shells and other things, we find these birds that are on deer deer ranches where they've got 40, 70, 50, 80 feeders and all their gizzards were packed full of rocks or of corn. And it's just, it's such a cool thing to think about when you actually can get in and part of, you know, cause for me, it's all about getting in inside the animal and eating the animal. Right. Sure. And so for me, looking at the biology of the animal itself, looking at the health of the animal seeing that some of these birds that were eating specifically corn were actually smaller in size. Well, mm. are they smaller in size because they're not digesting it and so they're filling them, their bodies up, but they're not eating as much grass and bugs and they're filling themselves up with corn, which, you know, they're not supposed to be eating. And it's, and it's just, it's crazy when you actually get into being a part of an ecosystem. Right. And as, as hunters, I think we are more close to the land than anybody else, than any vegan, than any vegetarian, than any hiker that goes out because we rely on the land. We rely on the animals living there. And so we're going to give everything we can to that land because I want a bigger deer. There's reasons guys spend $100,000 on food plots every year that they're not even going to eat. Hey, I'm going to go plant all these soybeans and sorghum. I'm not going to eat it, but I'm going to eat those two deer that came out of the field. It's like, well, now you just, now you have a $50,000 deer you know, a $50,000 doe that you're eating, but they want the best quality. They want the best life for Mm. this animal. And I think that's where a lot of people mistake us as hunters is that I get told all the time, well, you're a hunter, you're not a conservationist. And I was like, really? Because how much money do we pour into the land and animals than any other organization? Do you know how much PETA gave to conservation last year? Big old goose egg, zero dollars. And right. so you look at how much, I mean, you probably have the numbers. How much did NWTF give to conservation last year? Uh, I couldn't tell you off the bat. I or, could or tell roughly you. A guesstimation. It would be in millions. Right. And so you go from an organization who says they're all about animals and the ethical treatment of animals, and they give $0 towards conservation. Yeah. PETA killed more animals than hunters combined last year during for, for, for euthanasia. So think about all the hunters that go out there and all the animals we kill from dove, duck, quail, ch- you know, turkeys, you name it, elk, deer, you know, especially in Texas, you know, whacking a ton of deer. PETA killed more animals than all of us combined. And so it's crazy when people, there's this, I call it the Bambi mentality, the, yeah. the Disney mindset. Sure. Where we look at Bambi and we're like, oh my gosh, that evil hunter. I went back and rewatched Bambi and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, his mom got shot, but was it legal? Bambi was old enough. Yep. It was probably <laughs> right. it was probably doe season. It was the right time of year. It was, right snow to, on it the, was ground. the perfect time of year to hunt her because that means he was born in the spring. It's probably December, January when he's getting when, when mom got shot. I'm like, that was a total ethical kill. It wasn't violent. It wasn't mom dropped in their spot. 
And so it's it's crazy to start looking at these this from a true life perspective. Even with my daughter, my, my daughter's like, I wonder how Bambi's mom tasted. I'm like, oh, I bet she tasted <laughs> great. Look at what she was eating. She was eating all those flowers and clover. And, <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. But you even fast forward and look at like, there's a new movie that come out, like it's called Bigfoot, I think, where they portray hunters, where they shoot a bear. And they're like, throwing it over, like, oh, look at me. I'm, I shot a bear. They're like doing silly poses with it. And it's like, that's what they're teaching the next generation that hunters are. Yeah. Is that we're just these rednecks and the sticks that are all about throwing a cape over us and running through the woods naked. When in all reality, it's we're there because the animals. I can't tell you how many animals I've passed up just watching. Like, I took out new hunters and we were just watching turkeys be turkey. They were fighting, they were plucking, yeah. they were purring, they were flapping wings, they were. This big Tom comes behind us drumming and the guy looks at me. I'm like, oh yeah, he's close. And you could feel the drum in your chest. That's right. And the bird comes out and I go, okay, shoot him. He goes, I just want to watch him. I was like, fair enough. And we just <laughs> watched this big old Tom just strut and he goes and beats the crap out of our Jake decoy. And then the Tom kind of turns around. And I go, you might want to take that shot. He's like, oh, I got to take the shot. But for like 30 <laughs> minutes, we watched this big old, you know, Tom just beat it up. How lucky is that? And it was, it's, you know, there was no camera. There was not, it was just sitting there, me and a dude in, in the woods. And those are the moments that are going to impact people's lives more than me and you telling about numbers and stories. Yes. Yeah. It's taking somebody out. So part of this conservation week for me also is taking out and showing individuals that it's, this is what I do. Um, and going into Wyoming, it's showing people like there's a dad coming with, with two new daughters. You know, I think she's like 14 and 12 or something and they're going to hunt and it's like, okay, cool. He's like, can you show them, Can we all show how to butcher? Of course. And so it's all about, building up that next generation, taking out even adult, someone's older than you. That's still another generation that you can go and impact this, this, this conservation week. So, well, tell us, tell them some ways that people can get involved. Um, I know buying shirts, buying decals, um, fishing, uh, hunting events. Like I know you've got a bunch of stuff that people can get involved in and where to look for on the website, where they can look in their state. Sure. So, so I, I would say the biggest, the biggest thing you can do this week is, is share your stories and you can do that by hitting us on our socials. This is largely a, a social campaign driven thing. So uh, we're on Instagram. Our handle is at official underscore NWTF Facebook at the NWTF Twitter handle at NWTF underscore official. And on TikTok, and we are on TikTok uh, at official underscore NWTF and then use the hashtags conservation week, hashtag NWTF, conservation week that way we can find it and would love to to put you up on our main feeds and share your stories uh, and then the second thing you can do is answer the challenge uh, become a member and you can do that a couple ways this week uh jeremiah referenced the uh the shirt and decal offer for 35 bucks you get your your annual membership you get the bi-monthly magazine it's a beautiful magazine it's redesigned turkey call magazine here it's got, it's got a nice feel it's got great food in it too Oh, and it's got great food. I, I know a guy that, that writes for us, contributes to it. Might even be in this one. Did you have one in this episode? In this, uh, yeah, I have in, I've had them in all of them. Perfect. So you can read Jeremiah's uh, articles and recipes in there. Uh, you get that. There's other member benefits. Uh, with the shirt and decal, you're going to get the uh, the Conservation Week shirt, uh, black T-shirt with uh, this decal here for Conservation Week. You can get the decal as well. 
Uh, we also have a, a virtual 5K. We have a, a, a virtual race series we started a year ago. So if you want to sign up for that, if you're into fitness, I love running. So uh, I, I definitely sign up. You can sign up, get a membership, a race uh, finisher medal, numbered bib. And for 10 bucks more, you get the the race swag, um, moisture wicking, tech wear there. So a couple options to become a member, get some extra stuff with it. Um, or you can just sign up. And those are the, those are the biggest things you can do. And then, you know, I love your point about the mentorship. Um, cause again, people can listen to us rap about this stuff all day long. It's that taking them out there, helping bridge that gap, taking, you know, removing a barrier through mentorship, uh, and, and sitting people down in the duff with them and helping them out, um, and showing them that, that, that meme, the FUD, the Elmer FUD meme is just that it's a meme and it doesn't really exist, uh, for, probably 99% of us in this community. It's just, it's just a falsehood. Um, and I think when people are able to sit in that ground with you and you go through and you can articulate uh, strategy and philosophy, and you can talk about that connection between the animal and the habitat, and then the breaking down of the animal, why you prepare it a certain way, why you pair it with certain things. It's so multifaceted. And it's, I think people just get, end up getting completely blown away that it's not just this shallow one dimensional act of killing something. It's so much more. And there's so much more that builds up to that moment of taking a life. And then there's so much more after that. So um, if you can, if you have it in you to mentor somebody in the woods, uh, this all culminates on Saturday with national hunt fish day. If you can take someone fishing and, and go catch some, some bass some brim, whatever it is where you're at, some, some stripers that are migrating up and down a coast uh, or go to a, a dove field if that's available to you. Um, huge, huge impact. And you, and you will, you will change a life or lives. And I know that here in California, um, uh, you'll be able to hunt or you'll be able to fish from any pier, uh, without a hunting license or without a fishing license. Awesome. So it's a great way to get somebody who maybe doesn't want to go drop the money on a fishing license, um, get a, you know, put a rod and reel in their hand and go out to a, a local pier and wet a line and just sit there and talk because there's nothing there's no money involved at all. Yeah. And I think that's the problem for a lot of people. It's like, Oh man, yeah. how do I figure this out? How can I, how can I work in this budget? Um, but if you think $35 a year, how much do you spend in, you know, Starbucks coffee a month? Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Um, you can figure out the price point for what it is. You know, there's it's, what is, what does it come to like $2 and 10 cents or something like that? Uh, um, a week or, or a month. No, it's less than that. Cause it would be, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't even be a dollar a week. Um, and so it's crazy to think about that, how much little money goes into conservation and, and what it does. And it's, for me, it's awesome because I work so closely with NWTF. It's a huge passion. Turkey hunting is probably one of my absolute favorite, um, huntings to do and to take new people out because when a, when a Tom comes strutting in or you hear them gobble, you know, a hammer from the roost first thing in the morning and you get shivers. I still get shivers up my spine. When it's like every time you're like, Oh gosh. And then you hear that flap down in the, in the morning as the hens come down and then the, and then the toms come down and then you just, you hear that drumming in your chest. You hear the scratching, you get it. There's something exciting about it. And it's so interactive and it's oh. like, you know, we call it the gateway drug to, to, to hunting and in, in totality. Some people never break away from it. I, I, I'm, I'm a perfect example. I would, 
I often say in it, much to the chagrin of, of deer hunters, you could tell me tomorrow I can never hunt a deer again. I'd be like, mm, okay. Amen. But if you did that to, about turkey hunting, I would go to war with you. <laughs> I've spent, I, oh yeah. I got to have it. Yeah. And it's, I took out uh, these two brothers that I, I do my from field to plate classes at. We're actually talking about doing a, a turkey from field to plate class, which is going to be brilliant. I'm already talking to a guy in Tennessee where we can house a bunch of people and actually go out and teach yeah, you how great. to turkey hunt, teach you how to call, sit there on decoys. Uh, how to pluck, how to skin, how to gut, how to cook. But I took out these two brothers, uh, Matt and Cody Gill. You can actually go back like, like episode five or something and listen to it. But they were born and raised in Texas, born and raised deer hunters, never hunted turkey. One of the brothers had never even seen a turkey in real life um, because where they hunt, it's, you know, the deserts and they're hunting whitetail and mm. hog. And I remember we get out there and we see this hen on a, on a chain link fence. And he almost peed himself. He's like, it's a turkey. It's a turkey in the wild. It's a turkey in the wild. <laughs> and then we go and we, we, we get to this property and we're sitting out there and the, the owner's like, oh, well, I don't hunt turkey, but I hear them over here in these trees. And so we went out, we sat there. It was dark. You know, sun had just set. And I pull out my box call and I'm like, I'm like yep, 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 yep. And it's like. <laughs> and all the whole trees light up. <laughs> and they both look at me with these eyes like saucers yeah. they're like oh and i was like yep you feel it don't you you got it i go it's gonna <clears throat> it's gonna it's it's you're gonna have that for the rest of your life and it's that moment we're sitting there in the morning and we're, we're sitting there i'm filming and all of a sudden i just let out a little yep and it's like hammer hammer you know i'm just like oh and and it's it's rio so you know rios aren't aren't even as loud as easterns sure and i told him so this year we're supposed to, i'm supposed to be taking them to tennessee to shoot their first eastern and I was like, just wait till you hear an Eastern on the roost. Because, <laughs> like, Rio's, Rio's sound like like a little kid with, like, a, you know, rocks in a, in a can. Like, sure. but you get that big old 24-pound Eastern, and he's just like, grr, grr, grr. it's so it's deep. just anger. Oh, man. <laughs> he's so pissed off. Um, and I told him, I said, just wait. But, you know, they both shot their turkeys, and they both were just ecstatic about that. And they're like, we're done. That's it. Like, we're hooked. They went and bought, you know, they're buying calls, they're buying box calls, they're buying slates, they're buying mouth calls, they're choking on mouth calls. I'm like, you're gonna ruin it. <laughs> like, calm down. Um, but yeah, it's 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 that mentorship aspect. It's taking them out, and even so much so, we're at this ranch, and this the the rancher was there, and I was cooking dinner. He's like, oh, I don't eat turkey. Turkey's gross. Turkey's blah blah blah. It's dry. It's you know, fill in the blank of all the things we've all heard. Yeah, right, right. And I was like, well, this is kind of my job. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I can make it taste good. And I remember I pulled out the plate and the first day I, I threw the legs and thighs into a crock pot. And we went out hunting all day long and we came back and I made like, just like pulled, actually it's, it's in one of the magazines. It's pulled French, it's French fries with pulled barbecue leg and thigh on it. And I remember I handed him, I made a pretty plate, took a picture, handed him that plate. And he's like, I don't know. The dude went back three times and Phil, he's like, <laughs> yeah. he goes, crap. Now I got to learn how to hunt Turkey. And, <laughs> For me, it's you can win people over with a good story and a good meal. Yeah. And so yep. if you want to talk to somebody about going hunting in this conservation week, invite them over for a good meal and tell them a good story. Sure. Tell them, tell them about that time you were freezing your butt off and a Tom came in from behind you and you were about to stand up and you, he didn't even make a sound and you looked over to the right and there he was and he was, you know, V-lining right toward your deeks and it, get that passion going. It's cool about, you know, that part of it. Um, you know, and, 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 folks like us that are, that live this stuff daily, we, we, we have similar stories 
and but it's 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 almost cliche at this point that you know the first thing we do when we get a deer or turkey or whatever it is we have that we've we've taken is, is how fast can I share it? Yeah. How fast can I break that down here? I want you to try it. You don't people don't go to the grocery store, spend 200 bucks now on their weekly grocery basket, and then call up the neighbor or my you know, your parents say, Hey, come come share this food I just bought from the grocery store. But yeah, I got a whitetail hanging up in the back on a gambrel. I'm gonna make a stew out of it. Why don't you come over and have some stew or I'm gonna put the back straps on the smoker and you come over and have that. It's that, it's that, it's that community. And it is very, it's very much part of our, our DNA, our makeup. It goes, you know, you think back to, to caveman days of hunter gatherers going out, bringing it back for the tribe, breaking that stuff down, preparing it and everybody enjoying it. Not everyone did all the work, but they were happy to share that because that was part of that communal living. And, and there's still a part of that in our wiring. I believe that when we are, when we have the ability to share that, that's a huge bonus for us and you have a talent and a skill set that you can do it in a very good way yeah um that's not so um intermediate that really you know tickles someone palate and be like wow this, i didn't know this this had so much potential yeah um, well we you know, had, especially the legs oh, Jeez. Save, hear that all the time hashtag saves legs um <laughs> and no but even even here like so i'm in southern california and in my garage i built this half my garage as a studio and on one whole wall i just have feathers, skulls, horns of not because I, it's trophy, but I think it's, it's beautiful art up mm -hmm. on the wall. Like you can, you can see behind me and we had uh, a leak in our garage. Cause we have a above, you know, and the guy comes out, he's fixing the leak and he's like, man, he starts asking me all these stories about, Oh, what about this deer? Oh, why have I never hunted? And I was like, Oh, hold on. As he was getting ready to leave, I'm like, Hey, try this sausage, try this. You know, I open yeah. up my, my two freezers. I'm like, what do you want? He's like, Oh my gosh, I've never had it. Well, they had to come back two weeks later to check and fix something, right? And he brought like two guys with him. And he goes, I brought two more guys, so I don't have to work. I can just talk. And we talked and <laughs> talked. And then as we're leaving, he goes, hey, you have any more of that, uh, that bratwurst? I was like, oh, yeah, I got some bratwurst. And the other guys are like, uh, what? And so it's like, it, they're like, you're just giving us this stuff? I'm like, yeah, take it. Because I'm going to go shoot like 11 more deer this year. So take <laughs> as much as you can because I got to fill this freezer. But even so much so, like for Christmas, I make venison summer sausage and then like homemade prickly pear jam. And we make, we give that out as, as gifts to people. Yeah. And it's funny because l during COVID, a lot of people didn't meet and I was still getting text messages like, Hey, we still going to get summer sausage this year. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And yeah. I think that's where this fun, like one of my main freezers, I have a clipboard on it and it's detailed with everything that's, that's in there. And I've tell a lot of people, they're like, Oh, we're, you know, if, if you're struggling with food, if you're struggling financially, if you're, if you can't afford something, just come over, here's my garage code take whatever you want out and just, just mark it off. And it's, it's crazy to think about these people. There's mm. dozens of people that I've taken out and there are now hunters because they came over and just grabbed a deer roast or they just grabbed a, a turkey breast or they grabbed a packet full of dove. And they're like, dude, that was really good. Can we go out and shoot with you? I'm like, yeah, get you. All you need to do is get your license. Don't yeah. buy a gun. Don't buy. I, I have, I have everything you need. The only thing I can't do for you is get a license. Once you get your license, I'll take you out. And we, we took out a, a new father and a new son dove hunting this year. And they got their license like three days before dove season started. They finally finished it. And they go out there and it's like, okay, this is your gun. This is your gun. We shot some skeet. And they went out there and the little kid, I can't, I, I'll remember it forever. He's standing next to me and he shoots a dove and he's, he looks over the brush and goes, my first one, my first one. Right. And he's all excited about, and he only shot one that day. 
but t- you should have heard him tell the story to his mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, here it comes. It was flying down the row, and I stood up, and, you know, he shot a box and a half of shells, but that one dove impacted and changed this little kid's life, and I yeah. think that's what this week's all about is... It's powerful. Is, is just being present in mm-hmm. someone's hunting or hiking or whatever, running. I hate running, so go run with Fred. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But just being present, I think, is huge and showing them that we aren't, you know, this evil person that people say we are. So, 100%. Anyway, Fred, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about Conservation Week. Tell everyone again where they can find uh, out about all this stuff and then uh, how they can sign up, you know, on the website, all that good stuff. And I'll throw all this in the show notes. And then I'm going to try to get this up today, so. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn for you business-minded folks. We're there too. Find us socially. Go to nwtf.org. That's where you can sign up for a membership. That's where you can renew a membership if you have a LAFS membership. We have the Lifestyle Hub. You can hear my crazy voice talking about stuff on my podcast. Um, You can see all the articles, all the research articles that we post, where the money goes. We have great articles up with new partnerships, the many millions of dollars that, that are now being influxed. Um, different organizations together to do great work. The new website is phenomenal. They did such a good job um, retooling that. So nwtf.org, everything, most answers can be, uh, most questions can be answered there. And then uh, you can always find me. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Fred T. Bird uh, on Instagram. That's where I do most of my stuff. And um, just email me at the Federation fbird at nwtf.net if you have a question or you know you need to need to get steered in the right way perfect and again if you guys have any questions comments concerns on anything everything you can you know about nwtf go ahead and, and email fred uh, or you can do jeremiah from field to plate.com um, i'm always willing to talk chit chat um, thank you again for coming on talking about this oh, for sure i'm passionate and, about and it you're passionate about it so thank you to you too and i, I guess we can officially announce uh Jeremiah is now an official uh, ambassador for the yeah, National Wild Turkey Federation. We're so like proud to have you like and 10 years. make it official. He's already been doing it, but it's a, it's all inked in an, an official capacity. So we're we're super happy to have you um, telling our stories in, in your in your very um, professional way and, and how you tell stories through your your cooking and your adventuring and then your podcast. So um, thanks thanks for helping. Yeah, and uh, you can also go on nwtf.org uh, and look up recipes and see. Dozen yep. of my recipes and other people's recipes if you are interested in how to cook your wild game, your wild turkey better. Uh, you can sign up for the emailer um, because you'll get recipes and stuff in that email periodically as well. And it's not just recipes on turkey. There's recipes on deer, elk, uh, and other upland game birds on there. So it's kind of your one-stop shop if you want to go look for it. So, for again, sure. thank you, thank you. Again, NWTF is awesome. Uh, if you haven't signed up or you have more questions, um, you can do that. Also, you can also look at NWTF underscore and type in your state and almost every single state state has uh, their own Instagram page. And so you can go on there and you can actually find local chapters through that uh, and get connected with your local uh, state uh, through their Instagram as well. I know I get tagged all the time in Alabama, like I'm supposed to be going to Alabama to do a, a turkey thing with their with their group. So find the state you're in, love the state you're in, develop yep. it, even if you're in California and you hate who it's being run by. Make it better. Um, be that That's person. exactly right. Make be, it better. Be that person who's going to stand out. Uh, and I'm going to go try to kill a cricket. Until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks.